On Boundaries, Mine, the Toolkits, and Possibly Yours. In this section, I share with you my boundaries around engaging with others around this toolkit and invite you to consider your own. On Changing My Mind. I will probably change my mind as new information comes to light. Instead of receiving a disproved theory or assertion as a failure, I hope we can see it as a step toward better understanding whatever it is we're trying to understand. In the words of Bell Hooks, quote, The engaged voice must never be fixed and absolute, but always changing, always evolving in dialogue with a world beyond itself. End quote. On being accountable. The more I read, the more I learned. And the more I learned, the more I realized just how much I didn't know and still needed to learn. This toolkit and all that it contains are artifacts from a moment in time, a synthesis of my learnings to date. I kept pushing the day that I'd start scripting and recording. I was sure that if I could just read one more book or integrate one more framework, the toolkit would be more robust. That I could get closer to doing this monumental task justice. Then I noticed myself falling into perfectionism and the ways in which it was delaying action. I have learned that after a certain amount of consideration, clarity can only come from action, and that clarity will shape my next action, and so on. So, this is one of my many actions, and my only hope is that the clarity that will inevitably come from putting this toolkit out into the world doesn't come at the cost of unintentional harm to others. And in the case that it does, I understand that harm is a part of the human experience, and I commit to being accountable to acknowledging and repairing any harm that I cause. In an episode of Irresistible Podcast, ex-host Kate Werning references a question that cultural organization Iraq Arroyo Montano once asked her. How do you like to be held accountable? I love the way in which this question both implies the inevitability of being accountable and a level of choice and agency in how that process happens. Being held accountable often carries the connotation of punishment and something being done to us. This question, how do you like to be held accountable, invites us into that process. It suggests that accountability is not something that happens to us, but rather something we actively participate in co-creating. On that note, based on what I understand about myself now, this is how I like to be held accountable. I am better able to receive calls to accountability from people I am in relationship with. It's easier for me to believe that they are sharing critical feedback with me because they are invested in me and my work and know who and how I am outside of this one artifact that I've created. It's easier for me to receive their feedback as an act of care rooted in knowledge and experience of who I am, rather than as an accusation that assumes my intentions were malicious, careless, or not examined and re-examined multiple times over. This is not at all to say that I don't welcome or intend to be receptive to feedback from people with whom I don't have an existing relationship. I do. And if we're to engage with each other in any meaningful way, I anticipate that part of that accountability process will be to get to know each other a little bit. 
This is a choice that we'll both have to make and keep making as we engage in this process. I also believe that I can be accountable and boundaried at the same time. In fact, I imagine there will be situations in which I will need to set boundaries in order to engage authentically and sustainably in an accountability process in a way that doesn't cause additional harm to myself or to others. I think writer and cultural worker Leah Lakshmi Piepsna Samara Sinha articulates this more effectively than I can in her book, Care Work, Dreaming Disability Justice. Quote, A common idea in social justice culture is that if someone calls you out on being oppressive, you need to shut up, listen, put aside your automatic defensive reaction, and accept what they're saying, learn from it, and thank them. This is a useful ground rule, and it works for a lot of situations. We've all seen white nonsense people clutch their pearls and deny they have privilege, or cis people, or abled people, or non-sex workers, or whatever. And also, people with all kinds of oppressions fuck up too and need to get told we're fucking up. But there's also a line between setting aside defensiveness and being open to hearing how you fucked up or hurt someone without knee-jerking to, you're wrong, I'm perfect, fuck you, and letting someone walk all over you and emotionally abuse and gaslight you. And sometimes, when you're some combination of survivor, femme, and a mix of oppressions, You've been raised to automatically be accountable for every single thing. It rained? I'm sorry. You're stressed? It's my fault. Let me fix it. You didn't like the show? You're right. I'm totally fucked up. And you can end up in a place where people are quote-unquote coming for you in ways that cross the line from justifiably angry to abusive and can have a lot of consequences. Consequences that have landed many femme of color leaders I know with PTSD, anxiety, trauma, suicidality, and more, have set us up to be abused or landed us in situations of abuse that we didn't know how to call abuse, have made us move away from leadership positions or activism because it hurt too much and one day our hearts just gave up. End quote. With that said, one example of a boundary I might set is needing to take space to process and understand my own reactions to the critical feedback that has been articulated before responding. While there will be a part of me that is conditioned to feel a sense of urgency to respond right away, and a part of you that is conditioned to equate the expediency of my response to how seriously I'm taking your feedback, taking the space to process and integrate will be important for me. Otherwise, my response risks being in service to soothing, both the harm that I caused you and the guilt that I feel within myself, rather than actually transforming and healing the harm caused and addressing the internal and external factors that led to it happening in the first place. The latter takes time, and for me, space to find my own bearings before engaging with you. In the same way, I invite you to respond with your own boundaries to engaging. In the same podcast I referenced earlier, Iraq Arroyo Montana shared that he likes to be invited to his accountability party rather than surprised by it. I would say the same. Being invited to my accountability party means that I can create space in my schedule, in my psyche, and in my soma to try and be as present and receptive to what you're sharing. There's less of a chance that my body will go into fight, flight, freeze, appease, and or dissociate 
when it has a sense of what to expect. And last but not least, I'm open to sharing any learnings around an accountability process publicly where it's consensual among all parties involved and would be useful for others to know. That said, my preference is for the accountability process itself to be more intimate, with only the people directly impacted, as well as any mediators to help facilitate and community members to support each party. I find that public accountability processes, particularly around interpersonal conflict and or harm, run the risk of becoming performative and dehumanizing rather than genuinely responsive and relational. The farther we are from the people directly involved, the easier it is to dehumanize them. Also, the process and our actions or reactions are at risk of becoming more about what we think the quote-unquote audience wants rather than what we each need and what our relationship needs. The following prompts are intended to help you unpack your own relationship to boundaries. I invite you to pause after each question and take some time to note down any immediate thoughts before moving on to the next prompt. What thoughts came up for you as I shared my boundaries? What feelings came up for you as I shared my boundaries? And what sensations, if any, did you experience in your body as I shared my boundaries? What is your relationship to hearing no? Is it conscious? What is your relationship to saying no? Is it conscious? What are your boundaries with respect to engaging in this work? Do you have a felt sense of what you experience in your body when your boundaries are respected? What happens? Do you have a felt sense of what you experience in your body when your boundaries are crossed or violated? What happens? I invite you to pause here and take some time to unpack your responses to these questions before moving on to the next module.